Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to consider some of the implications of poor mental health in the workplace and ways to improve the mental well-being of employees. My guest this time is Dr. Ryan Todd, a practicing psychiatrist on a mission to improve the mental health of employees. Ryan believes that the mental health skills can and should be trained. That's why in 2018, Ryan launched Headversity, a firm that measures, tracks and builds resilience amongst employees in the workplace. Adversity uses techniques from psychiatry, sports psychology, and neuroscience to train people to strengthen their resilience. We set the goal that we want to impact a million people, says Ryan. We're not going to stop until we accomplish that. And hopefully the show today will go some way to to helping with with that goal. Ryan, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Uh, Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate you having me on. Excited to chat about this, uh, what I think is uh, a very important issue. So beyond my wee introduction there, Ryan, why don't you just take a minute or two and and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Ryan Todd, um, I am a psychiatrist, as you mentioned. I, you know, it takes a long time to become a psychiatrist. Uh, For me, I think my journey really started when I was, you know, I, I think I was about 10 years old when I first started to realize that people with mental health, mental health problems or mental illness were treated much differently than everyone else. You know, I, I grew up in this small town in rural Saskatchewan and I loved it. Like it was just, it's an amazing place to grow up. Uh, you get your, you know, a lot of freedom. Uh, there's nothing but space and time to imagine and dream big and it was a very cohesive community that i grew up in you know it was about a thousand people you know on a good year maybe it was 1100 people and everyone knew everyone else which you know had its flaws but one thing i noticed that there was a number of members you know maybe two individuals that i remember who were who were not part of the community you know who were treated very differently because of what i now know is mental illness I think there's one young man who had a condition that I would, I think he, he probably had schizophrenia and he didn't get the mental health care that he needed. And, you know, uh, that really impacted me as a young person. So fast forward many years, you know, I trained 10 years as, as a psychiatrist and get my dream job at a wonderful hospital that I still work in. And uh, within weeks, like almost instantly, I had about a six month wait list of patients. Uh, so that drew me to try and make an impact here where, you know, I, I otherwise couldn't if I just had worked as a psychiatrist. So that's how I came to Headversity. Okay, thank you very much. So explain to our listeners some of the, the problems that Headversity tries to solve. Again, it came from that need to try and reduce that wait list, that try and get people care. Uh, what I had also realized early on was that, you know, psychiatrists are and psychologists to some extent are more or less the power brokers in the mental health care system, if we want to call it a system. And for example, if you have a, if you, if you're an individual who has some serious medical adversity and adversity in their life, like a brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, or 
you're off work because of a, a huge conflict and you need to see a psychiatrist. If you live in our area, in, in where, what city I'm in, uh, you, you have to come see me. And I'm the only person who can like technically uh, do that type of work. And you have to wait kind of three to six months to see me. So I had realized early on that I was sort of a power broker, unfortunately, and in a very scary way for so many people that needed help. And that, that happens all over all of mental health care, I think, across North America, because there's such a bottleneck. So Headversity really tries to reduce that bottleneck. What we're trying to do and our mission is to democratize mental health and really actually genuinely put those resilience tools and those mental health tools in the hands of people. And we know that mental health, ground zero for mental health is the workplace. So that's where we've intervened. We've provided resilience tools in the hands of employees. And that's what adversity does. You believe that mental health skills can and should be trained. Maybe you can take a couple of minutes now, Ryan, to, to run through what what we can learn to bolster resilience in in times of adversity i mean this is a very very timely conversation and some people out there might be listening to say well some people perhaps don't have those 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 natural uh, tools at their disposal to 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 be more resilient how on earth can we go about improving our own resiliency and and therefore benefiting our own mental health yeah, it's a great question, and it's something we think a lot about at Adversity. How do we, how do we genuinely train resilience? The first, I guess, the foundational piece there is that resilience is trainable. It is a trainable set of skills. Uh, there's a lot of research to support that. Resilience, of course, is your your readiness to face adversity. Now, there's a number of definitions of of resilience. One is like how you can bounce back from adversity. I think it makes most sense to think about it in terms of our readiness to face adversity. So at baseline, we know that we can train these skills and that there's evidence to suggest that there are particulars about resilience training. In fact, there's, there's six core skills that we like to talk about and six core skills that are, that are germane when it, when it comes to resilience training. The first is self expertise. So that's, like, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your, your why, why you do the things you do, why you get up in the morning, why that's important. Well, it's really tough to meander through life without purpose. And it's really difficult to have good mental health and be a resilient person if you don't have at least an approach on how to find that why. So that's an important kind of starting block. The second is around mindfulness. Mindfulness it's become so popular and that's great that that's a really good thing. It is really the, the vein that runs through all of mind or sorry, resilience training. Uh, why? Because if you can't stay focused and grounded and here and present, it's really tough to accomplish any other skill. Uh, the third is around mental fitness. A lot of this work around mental fitness comes from sports psychology where you are training athletes, for example, to, uh, you know, reduce their stress and perform in moments of high, high stress. Like imagine being a, an Olympic speed skater where you train for four years for this like three minute moment of your life. 
that's very stressful. And the best literature and the best science comes from sports psychology and being mentally fit. That's being poised and focused and confident. The fourth skill is around mental health. And that is really about understanding what mental illness is, what it is not, what stigma is, how to have conversations in the workplace about mental health. Really important skill because we know that half of our leaders are uncomfortable having those conversations. They don't know how to help people with uh, a mental health issue in the workplace. The fifth is uh, hardiness. So how do you weather the storm? Like, how do you get through what we're going through right now with COVID? How do you, how do you develop those tools? How do you stay optimistic throughout difficult times? And the final is energy management. And this is not final in terms of its importance. I think now more than ever, we need energy management skills. How do you, how do you manage your cognitive workload if you're working from home? How do you sleep on a schedule? How do you make sure you're eating breakfast? How do you make sure you manage your physical exhaustion levels? So those are the six core skills of resilience training. Uh, and that's really what the Headversity platform takes you through. And that's what I still do with patients every day. I take them through these skills and uh, you can see amazing results if you engage with these practices every day. Man, this is an HR podcast, but I've, I've got to say, I, I think I want to get you on again and talk more about uh, the sports psychology part of it. You know, getting someone ready for those three minutes of their life. That, that's that's absolutely fascinating. But let's move this forward now. So uh, those six areas you just mentioned just a moment ago, perhaps you can now translate that into how Headversity measures, tracks and, and trains mental health resilience in, in the workplace. When we first designed Headversity, we were... We never wanted to lose focus on what we're really trying to do, which is help people build that resilience, help people in the workplace, help employees, um, you know, get through the day, live more meaningful lives, enjoy their work. And how we do that is, is through this digital platform and providing those tools, those resilience tools in their hands. So there's, there is a system, right? We, you get onto the platform and you, are able to measure your own resilience. So for the first time ever, what I find really cool about adversity is that we're giving people a score. And it's not like you're doing great or you're doing terribly. It's like this area needs a little more light and a little more help than other areas. So, you know, for example, I get on the adversity platform, I take a validated questionnaire that gives me a score in each of those six domains out of six. That's just how the rubric kind of ended up. Uh, my score, I have two young children. <laughs> I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old at home. And so they keep me busy, but uh, my energy management score is always very low. It's always like a one out of six. So the, the, the platform not only measures those scores with us as we go along the journey, but it helps us understand where to train those skills. So the, the platform constantly pushes me towards our energy management tool, which is a pedometer, helps you track your steps, our energy management content, our micro content on how to manage cognitive workload and gives you reminders on uh, sleeping and, and, and diet. So those are effective tools for me, but it's different for everyone. It's a personalized platform where it helps you uh, really measure, track, and then train those resilience skills day in, day out. What, what we find is, you know, our, our, 
our users are on for about five minutes a day. Our learners are on, uh, you know, five to seven. Our average daily use time right now is just under seven minutes, which is a good sign for us. We don't want people on there for, you know, you know, three hours a day. It's not a, it's not a, uh, uh, an addictive tool, which we're really proud of that we we didn't go down that road. We want it to be a tool that you actually use when you need. And most people use it and get benefit in about five minutes of training a day. And, and later on, I'm, I'm going to ask you about a practice that you do for five to 10 minutes a, a, a day, but we're not there yet. Um, can you, can you, for the time being, can you share with our listeners the, the meaning of something I, I came across when I was doing my research on you, uh, the, the use of something called care methodology? What, what, what is that? And how does that apply to, to what you guys are doing over at Adversity? Care, uh, it's, a, it's an acronym. And it stands for create time, attend, respond, and refer earmark time. And so I'll just I'll walk through that if that's okay. Uh, it's a a methodology. It's a playbook. It's it's not so much of a script, but it's it's a way that we can have mental health conversations in the workplace. Look, when we started Adversity, we heard from an overwhelming number of leaders. And this is not BS. Like we were hearing from so many people in the workplace. I don't want to have a mental health conversation. It's easier not to have them. What if I get sued? I'm not a frontline psychologist. How am I supposed to be trained to do this? We were hearing this time and time again. So we wanted to respond to that because I, as a psychiatrist, that's all I'm trained to do. Like that's, that's why you train for so many years is how to have these conversations around mental health, but there's a methodology there that makes it easy. And this is how you have that conversation. So if somebody approaches you and says, you know, I'm, I'm stressed or my uncle is sick or, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that my spouse is drinking too much or I'm having troubles at home with my kids or there's a boss that I'm having conflict with anything at all in that mental health resilience domain it starts with the c which is creating time and what what we're asking people to do is if somebody approaches you on a topic that you feel that's of import and you feel that it deserves a conversation or a care conversation then you create some time so you put 30 minutes in your calendar 45 minutes whatever it is but put some time in your calendar so you can sit down and have that conversation these conversations are not in person right now, but they will be again one day. But if it's over, you know, a digital platform, that's okay. Put time aside. The second thing is the real crux of it, Bill. It's it's attending to the conversation. As you know, efficient employees, as people who live meaningful and you know forward-looking lives, we want to fix problems. We want to rush to fix it. That doesn't work in mental health. What you want to do instead of rush to fix it, you want to resist that urge to provide instant advice and you want to attend to the conversation. So providing, you know, validating statements is, is one of the most impactful things I ever learned in psychiatry residency. Um, using the word and and not the word but saying, you know, this sounds really difficult and I'm here to help. Uh, asking more questions and asking them in an open-ended way, talking less and asking more. So really attending to the conversation in a validating way, saying things like, you know, that sounds really difficult. 
and, and genuinely meaning it is the most helpful thing you can do and the most therapeutic thing you can do in a mental health conversation. So there's create time, that's C, there's attend, that's A, the R is respond and refer. And what does that mean? Well, that means that the two of you now have a responsibility to create a plan to follow up. So you could say something like this, right? If, if that individual has approached you on a mental health conversation, you've created time, you've attended, you could say something like, you know, if things don't get better, where do we turn to next? Or if things get worse, what's the next step for us? The crux here is that so many people are feeling like it's their responsibility alone and they feel that burden and it ends up being a negative thing for them. However, if you share that responsibility and say it's, it's between you and me and let's try and find you help, then uh, it becomes a more fruitful conversation. And, and the final step is just the E, that's earmark time for a follow-up. So let's say in two weeks, you and I put a, a, a schedule, uh, a blocker in our calendar so we can meet up in two weeks and then we can have this conversation again and see how you did. That is an often forgotten step is to close the loop, to put some more time into it um, on that conversation. So what we're doing now is we're training through a platform, entire workforces, thousand people workforces on how to have this conversation. Why? So everyone's playing from the same playbook. There's no more awkwardness around it. There's no more questions about, am I going to get sued? Or, you know, I can't have these conversations because I'm not a psychologist. There's no more of that in the adversity companies. We train them to create time, attend, respond, and refer earmark time. And we've seen, you know, some dramatic cultural shifts in the organizations we work with in their ability to have and sustain these conversations and take care of their people. Now then, I, I want to talk to you about something else that you do. And, and you've spoken so far about be, being present and being mindful. And I guess well, part of that is uh, putting yourself in a position where, you, uh, where you're you ready for the day and uh, you, you maybe try and shed some of the some of the hassles you've got you mentioned you've got a couple of little kids I've, I've got a little kid I, I know how stressful that can be and and you you meditate every day I, I think for five to ten minutes it, it's part of your part of your routine um what benefits do you get from that and how and why should leaders and hr pros encourage employee meditation in the workplace if indeed they should yeah it's been very impactful for me my like struggle my adversity uh, which is, you know, a micro dot compared to what so many people are facing is I have to manage my energy very strictly because of my two roles. And I would consider my three roles. I've always felt it's important to stay working as a psychiatrist, you know, to keep my foot on the ground in terms of what we're trying to do, which is help real people. And you can get lost in that a little bit when you're in this digital transformation game. So I still work as a psychiatrist, but that transition from adversity, which is, you know, meeting so many amazing people, helping us grow, meeting, you know, uh, large clients and VPs of HR and, you know, having great conversations with individuals like you, that, that switch to becoming a psychiatrist is jarring. It's a very different skill set in a very different environment. Uh, so to switch to that mode i do you know i i go into my office i have a guided meditation for five to ten minutes and it's been hugely impactful for me it helps me recharge my energy it helps me kind of change my mindset reflect on 
positive things. And, you know, it's, it's simple. I think that's the thing I didn't know is that, yeah, I always thought meditation was for like yoga gurus or monks who had three hours a day to just sit there like five to 10 minutes is all it takes. And that can totally reset my mind and clear out some of the, the riffraff that's going on because we're all swirling about with so many thoughts. So really it provides a lot of clarity for me, provides a really strong energy management for me. Now it's not for everyone, but I would encourage people to at least try it, like sit down, try five minutes of guided meditation. So that's how we're encouraging HR managers to do it. To answer your second question, you know, ask people to do a minute of mindfulness, literally one minute of focusing on how your feet feel on the ground, sitting at your desk, focusing on that for one minute. And how does that feel? How did, how did that, how did that, how did your body respond to that? What was it like to notice how your feet feel on the ground for one minute? And that can grow to a five minute practice or a 10 or 15 minute practice a day. It takes practice, but the barrier to entry should be very low. It should be really easy to do. And you can have pretty dramatic effects. It has it has had a significant impact on my life. Okay, now listen, it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that you're actually a one of the other hats you have is uh, you're you're now a host of uh, of a podcast. Um, I, I believe it's it's around about a year old. It's called Beyond the the Checkbox. Maybe just take a, a minute here to tell our listeners a bit about the the podcast, why you guys started that, and if I could be so bold, perhaps you could uh, tell me who your favorite guest has been so far and and why. Oh man, that's. That's a hard one. Okay. Uh, so beyond the checkbox, it's a, it's a podcast where we, where we learn from mental health leaders in the workplace, uh, leaders in, in HR who are trying to bring more mental wellness into their organizations. It, it's, you know, it's been fun. It's, we, you know, we, we run kind of 30 to 45 minute podcasts every two weeks. We just closed up season one. We're really excited to launch into season two, which is uh, launching. I think it's, January 22nd. So in the next couple of days here, we're launching our second season. And yeah, it it gives you podcasting. It gives you such an interesting uh, lens. Like I, I think it's what's been so cool about the podcast revolution. It's taken what was previously a, uh, a pretty well guarded skill in like radio interviewing and just open it up to the masses. So, you know, guys like me who have never done that, can sit down with somebody in a very intimate, even if it's over a digital platform like we're doing now, intimate setting and talk about their journey. And yeah, it's tough to pick one. A couple that stick out to me. Uh, you know, I interviewed Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, he's a he's an owner of Canada recipient. He, he played in the National Hockey League and he faced years of sexual abuse from one of his coaches. And he he has... He came out with a, a very strong message on how he worked through that, how he continues to work through that, and how he continues to build anti-bullying, anti-harassment skills and repertoire within companies with his company called Respect. So that was a really, I think, that was an intense interview, and you felt it, and that made it awesome. Uh, Kelly Rudy, who's a, another famous hockey player, he 
his daughter has severe OCD. And so we had a really great conversation about that. Emade, uh, she is from the Southern US and a Black Lives activist, Black Lives Matter activist and journalist, very articulate, funny, like was able to inject humor into a really desperate situation. We talked to her right after the George Floyd murder. And that was a, such a thrilling interview to get her perspective. And it was genuinely perspective. It kind of cut through the the rhetoric and the news that we sometimes see on the outside. Uh, so those are three that really stuck out to me. We are already coming towards the end of this interview, Ryan. Before we wrap things up, two more questions for you. Let's really challenge you here. Get your crystal ball out from under your desk. Uh, what, what, are the, what are some emerging trends in workplace mental health that, that, that you are seeing that are paving the way for the future? Yeah, there's one trend in particular, like we all have employee assistance programs. Those are EAPs or EFAPs. Where people, you know, most companies use that at a tick of about an 8% utilization. Uh, we see this space opening up in a pre-AP. Everything that happens before that EAP, that is, uh, that's a wide open space right now. Uh, the other area I think is in safety and mental health. You can't be mentally fit. Sorry, you can't be physically safe unless you're mentally fit. And we're seeing leaders respond to that in a way that's really exciting because we, you know, with adversity, we work with a lot of manufacturing, trucking, oil and gas, utility companies where they have essential workers on the front line who also care about their mental health and they care about their physical health as well. So the conjoining those two things is a space that I think is a really burgeoning space and something that's really exciting for me to see. Okay. And just finally for today, how can our listeners connect with you? personally ryan so uh whether that's through email linkedin twitter um but also how can they learn more about all the awesome things happening over at headversity people can connect with me on linkedin ryan todd uh they can follow us on any of those platforms any social platform at headversity and if you just want more information just shoot us an email info at headversity.com uh, that's info at headversity.com and we'd love to fire up a chat with you and see if we can help you out Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Dr. Ryan Todd, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Uh, it's very good. Uh, I love the show and um, yeah, appreciate all the work you're doing. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working and please do stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.